listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to just, I want to jump in. I'll give some other uh, announcements at the end because this is a very important topic. And uh, as we've seen, you know, as we get closer to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that uh, whether you read Jesus' prophecies or Paul's prophecies, you start to realize that as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, um, there will be a degradation, if you will. There will be um, a diminishing of morals. We've, we've already seen it in, in a heavy way throughout the whole world. And the Bible says that people will become brutal. Now, Paul prophesied this. People will become brutal. People will become uh, lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. People will love to see destruction and violence and uh, things like that. And then you start to see moral decay as people, uh, are, as sin is abounding, as the Bible says. But the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So just because there's wickedness in the earth, just because there's wicked things happening uh, in every nation and that there are wicked people does not mean that your family has to be um, affected and destroyed or even harassed by that wickedness, right? Doesn't mean that at all. In fact, God is able, more than able, to keep and protect your family from all wickedness, from all of the things that are happening in our culture, our society. And that's why I want to do this broadcast, because I'm tired of seeing families destroyed and harassed when truly you can walk in God's protection and see the blessing of heaven upon your children, your grandchildren, your relationships. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I've observed now over four generations, um, God's blessing upon our family. And I've just kind of put together some things that I've seen that are scriptural principles that have caused our family to be blessed, you know, to cause our family to serve the Lord. You know, it really is a miracle to see an entire family, you know, uh, from now four generations where every single person is serving Jesus. Every single person is filled with the Holy Ghost. Every single person is serving God in some way, even in ministry. And so I look back and say, what, what are some of the things that I saw throughout the generations that are biblical principles that your family could absolutely apply to see this same uh, protection and blessing. Because let me tell you, as much as we talk about the fact that God has a plan to bless you and to bless your family, never forget that the devil also has a plan to destroy your family, to destroy your children, so that you don't see generational blessing and the power of God. But the powerful thing is to know God's plan and his power are far more potent than the devil's plan. 
And the devil has been stripped of his power, the Bible teaches, and we've got authority over him. So just because these things are happening does not mean they have to be in your life and in your family. So that's why today I want to give you seven rules. And I'm not even going to call these tips. I'm not going to call them anything but rules because uh, I've, I've watched this. And these are not negotiable things. These are truly rules. They need to be in place in your home, in your family, without question. Uh, all seven of these, it's not, uh, it's not something that's like, well, you know, it'd be good if you did this. No, these are things that are non-negotiables that make changes, lasting, eternal changes in your family, in your children, your grandchildren. And uh, they've affected our family. And that's what the word of God does. It brings you freedom. It brings you help. And so I want to cover these with you. And um, they're not really in any particular order because they're all very important. But I want to see your family blessed. I want to see your family flourish. I want to see your family do what God's called you to do. Not end in destruction, not end in heartache, not end in uh, heartbreak, right? You see things that happen that should never have happened. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the enemy come in and do things that he's not authorized to do because some of these things were not in place to safeguard you from the attacks of the enemy. And sometimes it's not the things we do wrong. It's the things that we have not done right that uh, bring those effects. And so I want to cover these things. And so um, let me, let me jump into these again, please share this today and then take notes, put these in the comments and get these in your spirit. Uh, I take the time to do this because the word of God will make uh, the most massive change in your life. If you're a first generation Christian, your whole life can be turned around in one generation. Your whole family can be turned around in one generation. I don't care if you're the first person in your whole family to get saved. God can turn your whole family tree around in one generation. It doesn't take 30 years. God can do it for your family very quickly. And so let me, um, let me deal with these. And again, they're not in any particular order. We'll just number them so that you can keep track. But let me, let me say this. We'll put this as number one because it is foundational. In your home, with your family, with your household, number one, put God's word first. And I want, I want to touch on this as the very first element that will change your family and turn your family around. Put it in the comments, put it in your notes, put God's word first, put it first. It doesn't change because the culture changes. It doesn't change because the years go by. You can't look at it and say, well, it's 2000 years old in the new Testament. And you know, no, it does not expire. It does not uh, diminish. It does not degrade. It is eternal and it is supernatural. It came right out of God's breath, breathed it right out of his mouth into the writers who were inspired to write what we have. And God's word is a supernatural force. Hallelujah. God's word is a supernatural force. You've got to put God's word first in your home with your family. And so you say, what does it look like to put God's word first? You get to that place where you say, if the Bible says it, we're going to do it. 
If the Bible says it, we are going to do it. No question about that. I mean, it's not a negotiable thing. If the Bible says it, we are going to do it. We don't negotiate it. And so when you live making the Bible the priority of the standard of living for your family, things change drastically and very quickly. When you even start to understand things that are, that seem so simple or they seem so uh, um, external, like understanding that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we don't do things. You know, there's people that they'll allow things in their home because, well, you know, it's not a sin. It's not a sin, you know, to have a glass of wine. It's not a sin to drink a beer, you know. And so they'll allow things in their home. But remember something with me. Whatever one generation tolerates, the next generation will celebrate. Whatever one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. That's why. Uh, you know, even people that talk like that, well, you know, having a glass of wine is not a sin. Drinking a beer is not a sin. I don't even allow alcohol in my home. I don't allow it in my home ever for any reason. You know, it's, it's not that like, you know, I'm, I'm not a dad that's going to be like, well, you know, my kids, they'll learn from me to drink in moderation, you know, like you should responsibly. No, no, no. They'll not see me ever drink. They'll not even see alcohol in our refrigerator ever. Because I'm not raising a mindset, well, you know, it's not a sin. I'm not trying to see how much I can get by with. And what one generation tolerates, the next generation will celebrate. They'll stay far from that stuff. You know, I don't have, you know, you know, God made this weed, you know, it came from the earth and, you know, it gives, it just eases my mind, makes my body feel better. No, no, no. They're not going to see drugs in my home ever, ever. My kids won't even see us approaching that stuff. There's, there's little things. There's little things we even talk to our children about that, you know, they're not sin, but we don't get involved in it because it's not for us. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I've thought a lot about after reading this uh, book by James Clear, Atomic Habits, is that when you change the mindset of who you are, it changes the things that you will do. Let me give you an example of what he said in the book. Uh, it became very hard for a person to, that he was writing about, that it was hard for them to change their diet and to begin to work out and do all the things like that. Uh, but he said, once they changed their mindset, that like, this is not something I'm trying to do, that person began to call themselves an athlete, even though they weren't a professional athlete or anything like that, uh, they started to refer to themselves uh, as an athlete. And they said, now that they, uh, started to think of themselves that way. They say, no, athletes eat like this. Athletes work out like this. Athletes have this kind of a habit. Same with people that were smoking. They found in the book by, by raw data that people who were addicted to smoking cigarettes after trying to quit, when people were offered a cigarette, if the person was one of those who would say, you know, um, I'm trying to quit, then they'd fall back into it again. No, I'm trying to quit. No, I'm trying to quit. They still identified themselves as a smoker that was trying to quit. But when they changed their identity and, and, and the people that said, no, I don't smoke, those people were the ones that stayed free from the habit. Why? They changed their identity of who they were. It's not, I'm a smoker 
I'm trying to quit. It's no, I don't smoke. It's not that I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to, I'm on a diet because I'm trying to lose weight. No, no. I'm an athlete and athletes eat like this. See, it's the identity. And once you come into your new creation identity of who God called you to be as a Christian, it's not like, no, I'm trying not to do those things. It's no, Christians don't do those things. And that's what we're ingraining in the children. That's what we're ingraining in the family. No, no. We try not to say bad words. No, no. Christians don't talk like that, right? Christians don't go there. Christians don't do that, right? It's, it's not a holier than thou mentality. It is a personal discipline that is empowered by the Holy Ghost so that we don't look like the rest of this world. Amen. We've come out from among them and now we're separate from that. And so it's not like, yeah, you know, I try not to do those things anymore. I try not to talk. No, no, no. Christians, we don't do that. Right. Rebecca said, I'm a child of God. I don't drink. I'm a child of God. I don't smoke. I'm a child of God. I don't curse. Right. It's because of who you are that God made you to be that you're staying. So my children, my family, they're going to see me put God's word first. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so as a result, I'm different. You're different than the rest of this world that do, they do not have a redeemer. They're not different. They don't, they've not been changed. And so, uh, putting God's word first in your home means if the Bible says it, we do it. If the Bible says it, we do it. And it's not a negotiable thing. It's not a negotiable thing. And, uh, so, so you've got to make sure this is our standard of living. I don't care. One of the things my wife says, right. Uh, to our children and said it even more when they were younger is, uh, I don't care what other mommies do. I don't care what other mommies allow. I'm not them. I'm your mommy. And in this house, we don't do that. I don't care what they're allowed to do in their house, right? Because you know, your kids will go to other people's houses. They'll see other standards of living. They'll see things that are allowed that, you know, they may get exposed to, but they come home, try to bring that stuff with them. You say, no, no, not in, the, not in our house. I don't care what they're allowed to do. I don't care what their mommy lets them do. I, I'm not their mommy. I'm your mommy, right? And so that's what she'd say to our children is that it doesn't matter what's allowed at their house. In our house, we don't do that. And you're not bringing that stuff home because we have a standard of living in this house and it's governed by the word of God. And the word of God dictates to us what we are empowered to do. Hallelujah. What we're empowered to do. And let me tell you, that's a great way to look at it because we're, I'm not trying to sell this. Like, you know, the Bible is a book of a bunch of stuff we can't do. No, no. The Bible is a, uh, a book that is describing to us what we are empowered to do. It's not a list of things we can't do. It's a book that it, it gives us a list of things we're empowered to do. Amen. And that's, that's how it needs to be seen. Because uh, it, it's not like uh, we had to give up such great... No, no, we're, we're empowered for a better way of living. It's a better way of living. Amen. And so, uh, very important to understand that. Make God's word the standard for living in your home. It will change your whole family around. It'll change your whole family. And let me tell you, your children don't have an option. <laughs> My children don't have an option. Amen. I don't let them just make their own choices. Children are not empowered to make their own choices. 
I think that's one of the dumbest things that's going on in our generation right now. Children are not empowered to make their own choices at all. What a stupid thing to have children making life decisions when they're eight years old, six years old, nine years old, 15 years old. It's not happening. It's not happening. And so I want people to understand that, you know, because sometimes parents feel bad about this, but you dictate. And I know with the Victory Tribe, I'm sure that's the, the, the case for everybody. But if you're watching maybe and you're like, you know, I, I wasn't raised that way. You dictate to your children what they will and won't do. It's not negotiable. They don't get an option. I haven't seen them pay one mortgage payment, one car payment, one insurance payment. I buy your food. You don't buy my food. You're living in my house. I'm not living in your house. And so children are not empowered to lead. Children are, are not empowered to make decisions. Amen. And so that's the key. Um, and, and, and when God's word is first, it's not just dad and mom dictating. It is dad and mom are aligning themselves with what the word of God says. And that's what we're all going to do. That's what we're all going to do. That will change your family. My children don't have an option. They can't say like, you know, I don't feel like going to church this morning. I'm going to stay back and say, oh, are you tired? Are you tired? You're going to stay home. Okay. Listen, mommy and I'll go. We'll see you after for lunch. No, my, my kid, that's, that to me is so foreign and crazy to, to have my ch- child dictate to me, you know, I'm, I'm a little tired this morning. I'm going to stay back from church. You're not going, you're not staying back. Get your church clothes on and get in the car. We're leaving in 10 minutes. You know, it's never happening in my house. It's just not going to happen. And that's number two. Number two, put it in the comments is this, put church first, prioritize church in your home. Put God's word first, number one, and number two, prioritize church and church attendance. If you'll do this, this will help your family so immensely that church is not an option for us. We're not going to be like others that, um, you know, they allow, you say the data now is the average Christian attends church once every five weeks, once every five weeks. That's not going to be the case in my house. We go to church every time the doors are open. You know, I could make these excuses and be like, you know, I am an evangelist and, you know, I was in church 200 nights last year. You know, I think the Lord understands that when I come home, you know, I I just stay home and rest myself. You know, I was just in a week of meetings. I could make those excuses if I wanted to. But I also remember I am showing my children something. Doesn't matter how tired dad's body is. Doesn't matter how tired mom's body is. Yes, we've been traveling 200 nights a year. Yes, we're all over the God's green earth. Yes, I get that. But when we wake up and it's time for church, we're going to church. When it's Wednesday night and it's time for church, we're going to church. If the doors are open, we're going to church. Why? I'm teaching my children something. I'm showing them that we prioritize attending God's house. Amen. Amen. And so when you, when you do that, you're showing them. Remember, and this is so important for all of us as parents, grandparents, our children don't do just what we say. They're watching what we're doing. They're watching what we're doing. Look at that. Denise said, not only did our kids have to go to church whenever it was open, we had them serve at church too, cleaning classrooms when they were young. Yes. Showing them what it is to serve in the house of God, to serve in the house of God. Hallelujah. And that's the key. 
serving in God's house, giving of your time. We prioritize God's house. Why? Because he prioritizes his house. That's why if you look in Hebrews chapter 10, it's a, a, a verse of scripture that I did not stop quoting all through 2020, all through 2021 when people were still being nuts and people are still being nuts today. But I mean, really, it was like a majority of people don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't stop gathering as is the custom of some, but as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. The Bible didn't say gather all the more unless there's a communicable disease. (laughs) Gather all the more unless there's a virus gone crazy. It just said gather. That's a command in scripture. It's not a suggestion. I'm not gathering less. I'm gathering more. And so Hebrews 10, 25 remains true 2000 years later. And I'm not negotiating uh, whether or not I go to God's house. Remember something. If your children see that you put God's house on the back burner, they'll grow up. And again, what one generation tolerates, the next one will celebrate. You can raise children that don't care anything about church attendance. They don't care about it. Well, you know, dad, it was never big for dad. We went when we had time. You know, kids remember that stuff. You know, we went to church when we had time, you know, and, uh, but a lot of times dad knew family was important. And so we'd be at the lake house and, you know, he'd take us on uh, Sunday brunch and we, you know, there was a lot. And then, you know, we'd go to church too, you know, cause church is good, but you know, family's important. And there's people that raise their children like that. Well, you know, this week we do have travel baseball and, you know, we have gymnastics and there's, there's other things. And there, you know, we wanted to get away and go to the lake and, you know, we wanted to make, that there's people that live their life like that. And so what do their kids and their grandkids see that church is good when you have time for it, you know, but if you got other things going on, <clears throat> it's more important to just have your free time with your family. And there's a lot of Christians that live like that. And it's a mistake. It's a mistake because their children grow up with the mindset that church really isn't that important. And if you've got time for it, try to get it in. That's why we have people that attend once every five weeks in America. Because that's the way children were raised. That's the way grandchildren were raised. We, my kids don't have an opportunity to say, well, I don't feel like going to church. No, we're going to church. We go to church. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's what we do. We get into God's house and we don't go sit in the back row and put our hands in our pockets and scroll our Instagram feed during the worship and sit there. No, no. We engage. We lift our hands. We praise the Lord. We shout. We dance. Whatever. We're giving God glory. We're attentive. We have, we have the, uh, the word being poured into our spirits. Right. And so we, we put, we prioritize the house of God. It's not a, um, a last resort. It is first fruits of our time. First fruits of our time. And, uh, it's very important. And so I always tell people there's, there's families that they don't go to church. They don't care about church attendance. They might show up every now and then it's, it's a mistake because when we come to church, our faith is being built. We're being encouraged. We're being stirred up, right? There's, there's purpose to what God does. We're being sharpened. We're being equipped. We're being, in fact, let me, let me read to you what happens when the word of God is coming to your family. Um, listen to this second Timothy three sixteen. all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So when the word of God's coming to your family, it's profitable, but what's it profitable for? What does it do for your family for teaching your family? So the word of God comes to teach you 
how to live. For reproof. For reproof. Right? That is like a, a rebuke. It's like a rebuke, a course correction, reproof. To reprove someone. To rebuke them. There's times we need to be rebuked in what we're doing. The word of God will do that to us. Or for correction. There, there are some things that need to just be totally changed. Some things need to just stop right now. The word of God will convict and bring correction. And for training in righteousness. We're called. Don't forget, your family's called with a purpose. And so if you've got a purpose, you need to be trained in righteousness for that purpose. Why? So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So you see that. It brings an equipping and it completes you for every good work that you're called to. And we need that. We need that. And that's why God's given us ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. For what? The perfecting of the saints. I need to be under that ministry gift. All five ministry gifts. That's why good pastors, they bring in every ministry gift to speak to their people so that they can be perfected and they can be trained and they can be corrected and reproved and taught. That's what the word of God's there to do. I've got to be in the house of God. It's my training ground. In fact, put that in the comments. The house of God is my training ground. Amen. And you're connected to a, a man of God. The, the, the house of God is my training ground. Amen. It's equipping us. And so put God's word first. Number one, prioritize church. That's number two. Let me give you this one. Uh, let love reign in your home. Number three, let love reign in your home and prioritize attention for your family. Let love reign in your home. R E I G N. Like a, in the same way that a, a monarch reigns, a king reigns over his kingdom. Let love reign in your home. Why should your children have to go somewhere else to find love? Very sad. You see it happen. You know, some people, it, it's very sad. Not only do they not see love, there's people, they don't even hear, I love you. They don't hear it at all. They don't hear it at all. People come from rough families. You may not hear. Your dad may not be the one that tells you, you know, I love you. Your mom may not be a person that tells you, I love you. There's people that come from rough, rough homes and rough backgrounds. Don't carry that on in your family. Don't carry that on with your children and grandchildren. Well, that's how my dad was and it toughened me up. No, don't be the one that carries that on. Let love reign in your home. Love is the greatest of all, the Bible says. The greatest of all. God is love. Amen. Prioritize attention for your family. You know, as we're talking about let love reign, prioritize attention for your family. That's something that everybody uh, has to work on. You know, everyone's busy. We're all busy. We're all busy. But we've got to prioritize attention for our children, for our families. They shouldn't have to look somewhere else for attention. They should be able to get your attention. I know this is very important to hear. They should be able to get your attention. Amen. 
I, I recently, my, my wife uh, started kickboxing, then my daughter started a kickboxing class. I wanted to go and I took her to kickboxing class. I wanted to just watch her, watch her kickbox. So I took videos of her, I took pictures of her and uh, I'm watching her, watching her kickbox, doing a great job. But when she looks around, she wants to look over to the bench and see dad is watching her and I am watching her, giving her thumbs up, letting her know she's doing a great job. They want your attention. My son will come over, put me in a headlock. My, he'll come over and say, wrestle me, dad. You know, hang with me, dad. Play, with, play this game with me. Do, do you want to watch me? You know, it's funny. When, when kids are small, they don't, it doesn't matter to them how they get your attention. They, you don't even have to be involved. They just want your attention. My, my son will come over and say, hey, dad, you want to watch me play video games? It's like, I'm not, he doesn't say, well, I play with him video games. He wants to just be the one playing and wants me to watch. I'm happy to watch, and I'll sit there with you, tell you how great of a job you're doing. Man, I didn't know you were this good at a video game. But they're just looking for your attention, their, your love, your approval, your acceptance. They, why, why should they have to look outside the house for love and attention and, <clears throat> and that kind of affection? See, you, what happens, you start doing that, and then you, know, you get so busy, and before you know it, your kids are grown up and they're gone, and you were so busy, you never took time to give them the proper attention and the love that they need. Well, they got to find it somewhere because humans crave love. We need love. You need love. And so <clears throat> if they don't find it from you, they have to find it from somebody. Amen. Let me tell you, I love my daughters. I kiss my daughters. I tell them how beautiful they are. They're not going to have to wait on some other guy to tell them how beautiful they are. They're not going to have to wait for some other guy to show them affection. I hold their hands. I kiss their foreheads. I kiss their little lips. I kiss their cheeks. I give them hugs. I put them to bed every night. You know, I pray with them. I do confessions with them. They're not going to have to wait for somebody else. And Carolyn's like that. They're not going to have to wait for somebody else to tell them they're beautiful. They're not going to have to wait for somebody else to hold their hand and to hug them and kiss them and uh, spend time with them. They're not going to have to wait for somebody else. They're not going to have to. My son, he doesn't have to wait. He knows dad loves him. He knows dad thinks he's awesome. You know, I tell him all the time, you're a cool guy. You're really cool. You know, I'm, and, and you know, <laughs> you get to the point, point where you know, then they start to know I'm cool, you know. <laughs> but I'm not gonna have to wait for somebody else to tell them, to show them, right? That's right, Pastor West said, I did daddy-daughter dates. That's right, that's right. And so <clears throat> prioritize your family. Love on them. Let them know. Let them hear it. Let them hear that you love them. Let them hear that you're proud of them. Let them hear that you think they're awesome and that they're so talented. You know, let, let them hear. Let them, tell them how, how much you're proud of them. Like, it's important. It's important. And I realize that everybody receives love differently. And they, they have the, you know, five love languages, Gary Chapman. They've made one for kids. And I get that. Some kids... They, they need more of the verbal. Some kids, they like to spend time with you. Some, they need the hugs and the kisses and the, they appreciate your gifts and you know all those things. I get that. But find out what it is and do it because they need it and it'll change your whole family. Don't allow your family to be destroyed because your kids have to go other places to be accepted, other places to be loved, other places to uh, receive affection. No, you be the source of their love. You be the source of their uh, affection. You be the source of their approval. 
They're looking for you. They're watching. And let love reign in your home. One of the best things you could ever do, and I realize we have some people that are watching, maybe single parents. I get that. But for those of you that uh, are, you know, you have your husband, you have your wife. One of the best things you could do is let your children see your affection towards your husband and wife. One of the best things you can do, let them see. You know, we make, we even joke, we even joke it in, uh, on the, uh, when we're at the house, you know, and I'll, I'll give Teddy a hard time. Don't you kiss my mama. You know, he'll run up and try to steal the kisses and, you know, I'll tell the girls, but it's, you know, we do it as a joke, but it's like, those are my kisses, you know, or whatever. Let them see. Don't be ashamed of it. Let them see it. Let them see it. Prioritize love. Are you ready for this now? Number four, be very picky about friendships and relationships. Number four, be very picky about friendships and relationships, yours and your kids, your relationships and your children's relationships. This is huge. This is huge. I'm surprised many times by what people allow in their families. I'm very surprised what some people allow their kids to be around. I'm very surprised by what some people allow in their home as far as uh, friendships parents have. People that aren't even serving God, you got them hanging out at the house all the time and the, you know, that, that's the way they talk, that's the way they live, that's the way, you know, well, you know, we don't drink, but I got a buddy, you know, he likes to have, you know, he drinks with dinner and we have him over all the time. Yeah, your kids are watching that. Watching their, the, the way they talk, their the filthy mouth. And, you know, I, we don't let our kids just hang out with anybody. We're very picky. Very picky. You know, let me tell you another thing with relationships, too. Your kids are allowed to date when you say they're allowed to date. They don't get to be, uh, they don't get to just do whatever they want. It's like, well, you know, he's, he's 14, he's going to be dating. Says who? Says who? Does he still live in your house? Does she still live in your house? Says who? Well, if we don't live in your house, says who? You're allowed to do what I tell you you're allowed to do. So, wow, you're a pretty harsh. No, no, we're going to have order in my house. Amen. We're going to have order. Ben said, my inner circle is super small and highly vetted. That's exactly how you want to be. But says who? I'm not, I'm not allowing just anything. You're not ready. You're not ready. And so, you know, you, you have to guard those things because relationships are everything. You get in the wrong relationships, you get around the wrong people, and what they are becomes who you are. What they talk like, what they're interested in becomes what you talk like, what you're interested in. That's why I, I've said many times on this broadcast, I don't just hang out, even myself, I don't just hang out with anybody. I don't have time for people filled with doubt and unbelief. I, got, I don't have time for people that are always complaining, always moaning, always unhappy. I don't have time. I don't have time. That's right. Britt said, be the parent, not the friend. Yeah. You, ladies, your girls don't need a girlfriend. They need a mother. Guys, your children need a father. They need to be fathered. Now, I love my son, love my daughters. And obviously, if you'll parent them now, later on in life, you'll have somebody that wants to stick around and be a friend to you, talk to you. But they need guidance. They need uh, you to show them what to do, not uh, to be their buddy, you know. 
And so we're picky about relationships, picky about friends. I don't allow, because see, the devil will use friends and relationships to destroy lives, stick you with the wrong person. You see people that sit around talking about, uh, well, you know, my friend, my son has this friend or my daughter has this friend and, you know, I don't know what, what her deal is, but, you know, she said she's an atheist and, you know, I don't, I don't know, we're, we're just hoping she comes around. Now, what business do you have hanging out with that person? Oh, why, why is that becoming your best friend? Why is your best friend an atheist? You're in a Christian home, Holy Ghost home. Why is your best friend an atheist? Break that junk off immediately. I don't have time for that nonsense. Make friendships. That's why it's so important to be in the house of God. Make friendships in the house of God where there's people of like faith. Do you know the Bible says this? And I'm surprised people don't abide by it. But the Bible actually teaches for the early church. If you've got people that are not of like faith, you got people that are stirring up divisions, you got people that just will not listen to the truth and abide by the truth of God's word, separate from them and have nothing to do with them. Don't even eat with such people, the Bible says. Do not even eat with such people. Have nothing to do with them. That's the Bible. That's not me, you know, being harsh and saying, you need to set these, no, the Bible, the Holy Spirit inspired these words through the apostles for the early church. You say, you got people that live like that, that have no desire to obey God's word. They just bring division. They, they don't have any, just don't even eat with such people. Don't hang out with them. Separate yourself from them. How can light live and cooperate with darkness? What relationship to those two, do those two have? None. So I, I don't, you know, it's not that I stop loving them, stop praying for them, stop believing for their salvation. No, but I have no business. Yeah, it's, you know, it's my best friend. You know, he doesn't really serve the Lord. In fact, he doesn't even believe God exists. So you got a guy that thinks you're a freaking nut job because you have given your life to Christ and you're living according to the Bible and you believe the word of God. And you got someone that's your best friend that thinks you're insane because you live this way. What business do they have being your best friend? And then all of a sudden you got, you know, you got kids and they're coming back from public school, which is a cesspool. Public school is a cesspool. And coming back, well, you know, I'm, I, I've been starting to hang with this guy. And, you know, what, what are you going to do now? You're going to surround yourself with people that are filled with an antichrist mindset because that's all they've ever known their whole life. It's one thing to be a soul winner. It's another thing who you allow to be connected to your life. That's why I like what Ben said. My, my inner circle is super small and, and highly vetted. I agree. Because it, it's life or death what's going on right now. It's life or death. It's so funny to me because parents are like, you know, we send our kids into uh, public school and, uh, you know, we're just sending them to be a light in the darkness. They don't even know what they believe. They don't even know what they believe. You're, you're going to send your kid in as a missionary into the public school system. That's what you think. You're sending them in. They don't know what they believe or why they believe what they believe. And people have not done, a, you know, there's many people that have not done a great job of, exp, of, of explaining and training the children to even know why they do what they do, why they believe what they believe. And then we're expecting them to be Ryan Herdbonke in their public schools. They don't even, they don't even understand it yet. And so you can't, that's right. Children should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And, and, and it's mind blowing, but there's a, there's a real war right now. There's a real war for the children right now. You see what's happening in the public schools. You see the indoctrination, what they want to train our children to believe and to do and to tolerate. And I'm telling you, it's an indoctrination 
that is brought about by an antichrist spirit that wants to degrade an entire generation and confuse them and they want them to be oppressed and they want them to be harassed by evil spirits in their mind and then accept the way of the world is truth and look at the Bible as archaic and, and you know, like uh, full of bigotry. That's what they want. And I refuse. I refuse to allow that in my house, in my family. I refuse. It's not going to be our story in Jesus name. It will not be our story in Jesus name. So number four, uh, be very picky about friends and relationships, yours and your children's. Let me go further. Number five, don't allow disorder, chaos, disrespect in your home. There's, there's some that just go along to get along. Well, you know, I got to pick my battles. Don't allow disorder, chaos, disrespect in your home. Doesn't belong in your home. Do not allow it. Do not allow it. Amen. Don't allow it from your children. Don't allow it between husband and wife. Don't allow it. You know, I'll tell you something. And, and this is a very transparent thing to say, but, uh, you know, if our children even show disrespect, I mean, forget, forget in public, in private at home, you want to talk about going from zero to a hundred in about 2.1 seconds. If you want to see that happen, just start in with the disrespect or chaos or, or the disorder. You think get, you get things out of order, you'll get back into order very, very quickly. We don't allow that. We don't allow that. If I hear uh, speaking beyond an instruction, I'll, I'll flat out let them let hear it. No, no. Yes, ma'am is acceptable. That's all we need to hear from you. Happened last night. You know, uh, Carolyn gave an instruction and uh, Brooklyn was responding after the instruction, you know, uh, trying to explain herself or why she do it. And let me tell you, we let them know. No, yes, ma'am's all we need to hear from you. I don't need, I don't need uh, an explanation. I don't need you speaking. I don't need your commentary. Yes, ma'am is sufficient. And then be quiet. Don't allow any chaos, disorder, disrespect. We're setting authority in the home. Authority. And the children will respond to authority. Because let me tell you, you let kids grow up in chaos in your home, forget what they'll be like when they go out the door. Oh, I wonder, you know, you see these videos, you've got little kids on the street cursing at police officers. They're like five years old, cursing at police officers. Oh, I wonder where that came from. You think that's like, you think that's just random? Or do you think they have a home that's filled with disorder, disrespect, and chaos? That's what they have. You got people slapping teachers in public schools. Where do you think that comes from? You think that's random? Or do you think that's a taught, something that's taught and allowed in a kid's life that as they get older, they're filled with anger and they're filled, they have no self-control and they've got disorder, disrespect, and chaos ruling and reigning in their life. Not my kids. Not my kids. <laughs> Not in my house. Order, respect, and there's no chaos allowed in my house. None, none. And I'll tell you, you honor your spouse, you honor, and of course, everybody works on their, the, you know, everybody has flesh has to be put under, but 
one of the things, as men, men are called by God, according to Scripture, to rule their own house well. To rule their own house well. And, um, you know, early on, there was times, you know, I, I, I spoke, it's not, not happened often. I think there's only been one time that I talked to Carolyn afterwards and said, even the way that we talk to each other there, you need to be very careful because uh, though we're married and though, you know, we have a relationship, you better never let anybody hear. And my wife knows that. And, and I know that, you know, she, she would never disrespect me in front of people or, you know, I think it's one of the dumbest things ever. You get women that get around and talk about, yeah, you know how husbands are. My husband, how he's unbelievable. And you know, or you get men that get around, oh, my wife, you know, I'll tell you what, if she's just giving me, and then you, you talk about your spouse in front, of other, in front of other women or in front of other men and speak disrespectfully about them like they're such a pain. That's a seed you're sowing of disrespect, dishonor, and chaos. Don't do that foolishness. That's what sinners do. Get with their friends, oh, my husband, and then they all mock their husbands or they all you know, mock their wives in the way their wives do. Don't do that nonsense. Don't sow discord into your home. Don't sow, sow division into your home. That'd be, I can't even imagine getting around other men and be like, you know, Carolyn, man, she's a, unbelievable, you know. She'll nag the heck out of me. She's, uh, no, I can't imagine disrespecting uh, my wife and getting around a bunch, group of guys and then, you know, talking about her. I can't imagine her doing that, getting around a bunch of ladies like, you know, Ted, he's just a real, you know, that's stupid. And it sows discord and division into your home brings chaos and disrespect. My kids will never see that. They're not gonna see that. And so it's important that you don't allow disorder, chaos, and disrespect in your home. And men should rule their own home well. They should rule their own home well. Pastor West Barbie said, my wife beats me. It's a cry for help in the comments. Lord, just touch Pastor West there in Oakboro, North Carolina. I pray that you would just restrain his wife and her hands as she beats him, Lord. <laughs> That's right. Jess Burton said, it makes the person complaining look stupid. It does. It's total disrespect and it's just totally foolish to disrespect your wife or disrespect your husband in that way. Just absolutely crazy. I can't imagine doing that. You know, getting with a bunch of guy friends and then us all talking about our wives and how much of a pain they are. Women doing that about their husbands. I mean, just absolutely Foolish. So don't allow disorder. You know, my wife and I, when we bought our first home, and we've done it with every place we've lived, is we anointed it. And we said, Lord, we thank you that within these walls, within these walls, we'll not have uh, heaviness, anxiety, chaos, disrespect, problems, stress, issues, emotions. And, and your, your anointing reigns in this house. And we will have the anointing of God reigning in our home at all times. And we've had people, you know what's funny? We have people come into our home. We've had workers come in, subcontractors that come in and they don't even understand it. They don't even understand it. Now you know something's up when unsaved people start to comment on it. And we've had unsaved subcontractors and workers come in to do work in our house and they'll be like, man, and they've told me and my wife like, you can call us at any time to come work here. Your house is so peaceful. You know, when you've got, when you've got unsaved people commenting like that, when they come in your house, right? 
man, your, your house is so peaceful. Man, you can call us to come, you know, work at any time here. I mean, we, we would love to come and, and yeah. <laughs> Denise said, we've done that too and nobody wants to leave. That's right. They come into your house and they feel so much peace. They feel so much joy. They feel love. And they're like, man, this place is awesome. We'd love to come back and work here anytime you need us. Give me a call. Here's my card. You know, you're, I've never been in such a peaceful house, right? And that, and that is exactly it. That is exactly it. Why? We've given the Holy Spirit. He, it's all his anyway. It belongs to the Lord. We're just stewards of what God's given us. But people can sense when he is uh, the head, when, we, when, when the Lord is given the ability to reign over your life because you submit to his word and you do what the Bible says, of course his spirit's going to be there to manifest. Of course it is. And that's the key. So we don't allow disorder. It has to stay outside the door in Jesus' name. Has to stay out of my house. Has to stay off of my family. Has to stay off my children. It's not allowed to operate in my home in Jesus' name. Number, number six, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Put it in. Number six, prayer and fasting. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And then, of course, we're called to fast and pray at different times in our lives. But can I tell you, I had a praying great-grandmother called her Grammy Crawford. Grammy Crawford. She lived in northern Maine on the border of Canada, New Brunswick. And she was a praying woman. Even though she went through some hard things in her life, husband left her with a, with a daughter and all these things, never stopped praising God. In fact, she'd come to her house and she'd be around vacuuming the house, even in her 80s, 90s, and she's singing. She's singing, she's praising, you know, and just that kind of a, a woman, praying woman. My grandmother, my grandfather, praying people, prayed for their sons, prayed for their grandchildren. My father, my mother, praying people. They pray for me and my sister. They pray for the grandchildren. They pray for the family. My wife and I are praying people. I pray for my children. I pray with my children every day. Every day. We confess by faith the word of God every night before bed. We confess the word of God together. Prayer. Prayer changes things. And so you've got to be a person of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. You know, my uncle Tiff Shuttlesworth, that's my cousin Jonathan's father. Uh, he has two children, Jonathan and my cousin Jessica, who she and her husband pastor in Montreal, Quebec. And um, when he would do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year, he would spend, um, he would break it up into three segments, seven days, seven days, seven days in a row. But he would change up the focus of his prayer. And there would be seven days that he would pray for his ministry and, uh, you know, what God was doing through lost lamb. But then there would be seven days that he would pray for his children and his family. So he would take a third of that fasting and prayer time to pray for his children and his family. And so there was a focus there, right, on praying for the family, praying for the children. And there needs to be prayer and fasting among your family. You need to teach your children. Now, my children are young. And of course, if you've read our book on fasting, uh, I don't recommend that children fast because 
uh, they're, in, they're still in development. The Lord understands he created their bodies to develop. But as they become adults, now my children are already like Maddie. She's already uh, starting to give up things as, uh, you know, like a meal a day as we do fasting times and prayer. And understanding fasting is important. But they should see you model fasting and prayer. They should see you model it. And uh, I love that from Denise and, and her husband, Glenn. Don't stop praying for your children when they move out either. Keep on praying for them when they're 30, when they're 40. My parents are still praying for me. They're still praying for my sister. And so you pray and you pray for your children and believe God for miracles in their lives. Believe God for blessing in their lives. You start declaring, my children are not going to come to any kind of destruction in Jesus' name. Whatever things my family battled in the past, you know, declare it like this. I don't care if alcoholism ran through my family. It'll never touch my children. They'll never know what alcohol tastes like in Jesus' name. They'll never know what it is to be high in Jesus' name. They'll never know what it is to be broken and go through divorce in Jesus' name. They'll never know what it is to be broke and, and, and trying to get by financially and not being able to make it. They'll never know what that's like in Jesus' name. And you pray for your children and you declare that whatever the enemy had planned to come against your family, it will not come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It will not come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. And you stay praying for your family, praying for your home, praying for direction for your home, to lead your home well. Praying for direction. Lord, show us what we should do. Show us the steps we should take next. Show us, right? Believing God for your family to experience supernatural breakthroughs. Amen. And so you pray and you fast. I understand you can't fast all the time, but there should be times throughout your year that you are fasting and praying and praying every day. Because let me tell you, your family needs God's help and intervention. We all do. We all do. If, if the Lord was not on our side, where would we be? If his power was not operating on our behalf, where would we be? I mean, think about your life. Think about your family. If the Lord was not touching you, blessing you, helping you, where would you be? Where would you be today? In your flesh, you can't do anything. But with the spirit and power of God, anything is possible. Anything is possible to them that believe. Believe what? The word of God. The word of God. All things are possible to those that believe. That's us. Hallelujah. That is us. And so prayer and fasting. And finally, number seven, guard. Let me say this again. Guard your peace. This is huge. This is huge. Guard your peace. You may have watched a broadcast my wife did that was called plan for peace. Plan for peace. That's something we live by. We don't allow little things that we know are irritating, you know, uh, to steal our peace. Things that could easily be changed. You know, even little things, people won't spend money. You know, if it's going to bring you more peace, don't worry about it. Money comes and goes. Your peace is important. You know, I, you know people fly. They get all this baggage. I, I'm not buying one of those luggage carts at the airport. It's like six bucks. Okay. So just get angry as you try to lug seven bags across the airport and they keep falling off of each other. They keep, it's heavy. You're sweating, pulling things over because you wouldn't spend six bucks to guard your peace. 
Stuff's hitting people's legs. People are getting up, upset. You're dragging it up staircases and over the curbs and you know nobody's helping you and you're pulling your back out. I can't stand traveling all this luggage. Why? Then you're yelling at your kid, why'd you pack so much? I don't understand why these bags are so heavy. Just get a cart for $6 and guard your peace. Exactly. Exactly, Ben. Pull up, call the guy over with the cart, say, here, here's $20, $30. Please take all the bags and check them for us. You know, plan for peace. Don't allow your peace to be stolen because, you know, you couldn't spend 6 or $20. You know, plan for peace in your home. Don't allow things to come in that, that just irritate you. Yeah, that's why part of planning for my piece is I've already cut out people that always bring drama into my life. If I notice a track, uh, a trait that's just recurring and I see it all the time, uh, drama, 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 issue, issue, chaos, chaos, chaos. That's a sign to me that you don't want to be out of drama. You don't want to be out of chaos. You don't want to be out of all that nonsense. And I don't want it. So God bless you. Block. <laughs> See you at church. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, peace is priceless. Now, I'll show you this before we pray, that as you're fasting and praying, you'll begin to see. So well, how do I get more peace? Because I feel like I don't have the peace that I need. Listen to the, what the Bible teaches here, because there is a true biblical principle to operate in the peace of God that goes beyond understanding. Okay, let me show you this. Pro, uh, Philippians chapter four, uh, I'll start with verse four and we'll read through verse seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now look at verses six, through, six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What, what looses that according to the, uh, the apostle Paul, it is your prayer and your supplication. Don't be anxious, refuse anxiety, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard. Notice that peace is a guard at the heart of your, at the door of your heart. Think about that. Peace is a guard at the door of your heart. Put it in the comments. Peace is a guard at the door of your heart. And how do you, how do you get it? Through prayer and thanksgiving. That's Philippians four, Fernando, verses six and seven. Philippians four, verses six and seven. Peace is a guard at the door of your heart. And, and what kind of peace are we talking about? We're talking about a, a peace that's so beyond that people in the world that don't know Jesus are blown away by the kind of peace you have. It almost looks like you're irresponsible. Because like, how in the world are you so calm right now? How in the world, have you not seen what's going on? How in the world are you not freaking out? You need to be more worried. I've had actually people say that to me. You need to be more worried. It's like, are you serious? I need to be more worried. I'm not going to worry. I have a, a faith and a trust in the word of God and in the spirit of God. What good does it do for me to sit around and worry about everything? Be anxious. When the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, be anxious for nothing. 
That's what this verse says. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, so listen, if I'm anxious about things, is that not a contradiction to God's word? Am I not contradicting God's word when I choose to be anxious about things? When the apostle Paul commanded the church in Philippi, do not be anxious about anything. That's not what Christians do. We're not to sit around in anxiety, worried about everything all the time. No, but instead what? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Instead of being worried, instead of being afraid, instead of being depressed and with a spirit of heaviness, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to supply me what the things that I need. And then I'm going to thank God. And then I'm going to thank God. And then as I pray and as I thank him, guess what? His peace is going to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. I could run around the studio this morning. Thank you, Jesus. His peace is going to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How does it come? With prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. We need to spend more time praying and thanking God than we do talking about these issues that are all around us. There's people, man, they're always just so much commentary about what's going on in the world. I don't care. Do you see, you see about the price of eggs? Do you see about the price of gas? Do you see what's going on with the government? You see the economy? See what, you see what they're saying about recession? You see what happened with the bank? It's like, who cares? Who cares? I don't care if eggs cost $15 a carton or if they cost $2 a carton. The same God that can provide $2 for the carton is the same God that can provide the $15 for the carton. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't care if gas is a dollar a gallon. I don't care if gas, gas is $10 a gallon. The same God that can fill my tank at a dollar a gallon is the same God that can fill my tank at $10 a gallon. So I don't care. I don't care. I know. These chickens, Ben. I, you know, I, I don't care. No, you don't have to comment on everything. You know, I think, I think, you know, we need to just be careful because I think the U.S. right now is, is in a recession and I think that we're on our way to, to you know, a mil- who cares? Do we not serve a God that's able in the midst of a, a severe famine to feed his people? In the midst of drought to help his people? In the midst of captivity to help his people? I don't care. I don't care. So what'd you do when you saw the gas prices rising? If you want to know what I did, I'm going to be very honest with you. If you want to know what I did when I saw the gas prices rising is I went out and bought the largest truck that I could possibly buy. The the largest and heaviest SUV that I could possibly buy. That's what I did. So it's sitting out in the parking lot right now. The largest and heaviest SUV that I could possibly buy when I saw the gas prices going up. Amen. And when I go to the gas station, I'm not even going to put 87 in. I'm going to the higher grade. Just to stick it in the devil's stupid face that you can't stop the blessing of God. And I'm not going to worry. I don't even know how much money it costs to, to fill the truck up. And you think I'm just joking around. I don't know how much money it costs to fill the truck up because I've never looked. I fill it till the thing clicks. I take it, put it in the thing and go back into my driver's seat. I don't know. I have no idea. If somebody asked me right now, how much does it cost to fill that thing up? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because I'm not going to be the person that sits around and worries about whether or not we're going to make it. Oh, I, I don't know. 
I don't know, do you see we're kind of in a recession right now? I'm, I'm hearing there's a lot of stuff. There's going to be a meltdown, financial meltdown. We've got to start stocking things up. And I've got, got, uh, got a guy that's delivering a shipping crate. We're going to dig a hole in the ground. I've got a crane that's going to set it in. We're going to make a bunker. I'm going to stick a bunch of food and bags down there just in case the whole thing goes down. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a doomsday prepper. There's nothing wrong with wisdom, but I'm not a doomsday prepper. And I don't care. <laughs> if the price of eggs kept going up, I was going to just buy cartons of eggs to just throw at people's houses and egg houses. <laughs> not even going to eat them. Just going to throw them. <laughs> not even going to eat them. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not allowing my peace to be stolen by what's going on in the world. You know what you do? And, and this seems like people think, like, oh, that's just like, what a nice Christian thing to say. But, you know, I, you know some of us got to live actual lives. Yeah, you know how I live my actual life? Like this. You are, you're literally guarding your vision by the word of God. A filter. I let everything come in through the filter of God's word. It's how I view my life. And people say, oh, that's nice. nice you can say that as a preacher, but some of us, some of us got to... You know, some of us got to live actual lives. Some of us got to actually go into the real world. Well, you think I don't live in the real world? Do you think I don't pay real bills? You don't think I actually, you know, you know, when I go to uh, pay my mortgage, I don't say to the mortgage company, well, you know, I, I am a preacher, you know, so I'm just living by faith. If you don't mind uh, just going ahead and wiping that this month. You think I can go into the gas station with my big SUV? Like, hey, listen, you know, I am a man of God. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd appreciate it if you could just waive the fee for the gap. No, I pay real bills. I travel. I have a house. I have all the same stuff you have. Amen. But I'm not going to sit around and be like, well, you know, I think we're in a recession. I wonder how you're going to make it because I think if we do. I'm not doing that. We're going to live with this word in front of our face. Everything that's happening in the world will come through the filter of this word of God. And as it does, you better know. My faith defines my future. Hallelujah. In fact, put it in the comments before we pray. My faith defines my future. My faith defines my future. You say, well, no, it's the word of God that defines your future. No, if you don't have faith in the word of God, it can't define your future. It's like 2 Kings 7. The prophet said, by this time tomorrow, You'll be able to buy barley and flour in the city square for a very cheap price. And what did the man, of, the man that was the captain of the guard say? Well, if God opened up the windows of heaven, could that thing really happen? He said, you'll see it happen, but you'll not be able to eat or taste any of it. So did the word of God define his future? No. His lack of faith defined his future. Jesus went to his own hometown, Mark chapter 6, wanting to do miracles. Could he do miracles for everyone? No. And he was the word made flesh, but he couldn't. You know why? Because of their unbelief. And only a few had faith, the Bible says, and he healed them. What defined their future? Their faith, the few. What defined the other people's future? Their unbelief, their lack of faith. It's not just the word of God that defines your future. You have to have faith in God's word for it to affect your future. My faith defines my future. My faith defines my future. The government doesn't define it. Corporations don't define it. The culture doesn't define it. The nations don't define it. The word of God, I've got to have faith in this word and then that defines my future. Amen. And your family will be 
uh, protected supernaturally from every demonic attack the devil has sent to destroy it in the name of Jesus. In fact, I'm going to pray for your family right now. Those of you that are watching and others may be listening on the podcast, but Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for every family that's watching this. I pray for every family that's uh, been attacked by the enemy. I take authority over every wicked attack from the enemy against these families, children, grandchildren. We command it to loose its grip and let go. I rebuke every sickness and disease, depression and anxiety. Addictions have to go. Broken relationships, Lord, mend them, we ask you. Heal their hearts in Jesus' name. Lord, bring husbands back to wives, wives back to husbands. Those, their children aren't even speaking to them anymore. Bring the children back by the power of your spirit. Restore the homes, restore the families. Lord, we ask you for household salvation in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be household salvation by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Let their children and grandchildren be filled with the Holy Ghost at the earliest possible age in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that the spirits of Antichrist that are operating in schools and in the culture in this nation, not gonna affect our kids in Jesus' name. It's not gonna grip their hearts and grip their lives. They are divinely protected in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that those spirits of perversion, those spirits uh, that, that try to uh, cause suicidal thoughts and heavy depression, and it's not coming on our children in Jesus' name. No, spirit of confusion will not come upon. We have our right minds. We have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for it and all that you're doing in our lives and our families and our children in Jesus' name. Let this be the greatest year they've ever seen by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that, this, that they would abound in 2023, our year of transformation. We declare it. We'll not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we give you praise for every precious family watching and listening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.